Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. There are too many guards. Then we time their patrol and go in quiet. So the episode starts off where Boba is in Bacta, and we flash back to his time uh, post the Tuscan tribe uh, slaying. We see that he's with his Bantha, and he's looking over at Jabba's palace, longing over his ability to get the slave one uh, and kind of reclaim some of his former glory. Uh, he camps out with the Bantha, and uh, he notices up in the sky some flares being shot. Uh, we're able to draw this back to season one of The Mandalorian, where Din and Toro Callaghan use flares to distract Fennec Shand, uh, because we then see Boba going to find a near-dead Fennec Shand, who Toro Callaghan had shot to go uh, put in the bounty on Din and Grogu. And so Boba then takes Fennec to a mod parlor. Uh, in the mod parlor, they uh, fix her with cybernetics. Uh, then Fennec wakes up with Boba around the campfire. They have a bit of a conversation about uh, crime and not wanting to work for idiots. And uh, they essentially are going to go camp out and look over Jabba's palace. They come to an agreement to her freedom in exchange for helping him get back to Slave One. Uh, they uh, sneak in after scouting the place out. They take out some servant droids and then they go full force against a bunch of Bib Fortuna's guards. Uh, Boba gets in the Slave One, does a pretty crappy job of trying to get out of the garage while Fennec kicks an extraordinary amount of ass. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, she is uh, the star of that scene by a landslide. Uh, they escape in Slave One, and the first thing he's going to go do is pay a little visit to the Kintan Striders, uh, that uh, Nikto speederbike gang. And in the Slave One versus their speederbikes, it is shooting fish in a barrel. He takes all of them out. Uh, and then they go and visit the Sarlacc pit, which Boba does... He gets a little too close for comfort once again, uh, and the Sarlacc attaches right on to Slave One, uh, but Fennec once again comes to the rescue, uh, uh, releases a seismic charge that goes into the gut of the Sarlacc and creates a giant wake and kills the Sarlacc for good. Boba is still unable to find his armor, but Fennec agrees to go with him. Uh, we now travel back into our modern timeline. Uh, Boba leaves the back to tank and as he leaves the back to tank we uh, learn that he has now completed his entire healing regimen that he has been on uh boba then goes on a patrol of the streets uh black chrysanthemum gets drunk in a bar and boba watches him uh, rip the arms off some trandoshans and then kind of get kicked out of the establishment and then boba offers him a job because he realizes that's some seriously wasted muscle and uh, i could use somebody like that uh then from that point on because this is a fairly long episode. Yeah. Uh, Boba has uh, the the crime families over. Uh, they uh, all sit around a dinner table uh, and Boba offers a proposal that, hey, please don't side with the Pikes. If you agree to remain neutral, I will uh, reclaim my territory the same way that Jabba ruled and that no longer will the Pikes and their spice trade uh, be kind of infringing on my turf. Just please stay neutral. Uh, they agree. And then we get the notion of, ah, but we need some more muscle. And then the Mando's theme plays in. So, yeah, that was supposed to be this like tremendous theme. I think that is, um, I think employing too much of, uh, of a, a filmic device in relation to what the show has done, like 
cinematically so far. Does that make sense? Like they're they're supposed to be dropping this tremendous piece of information via scoring, which happens in movies, although not really a ton in Star Wars. Yes, characters have characters, theme yeah. music. Um, and that's what they're doing here. They're basically saying, you know, next time you see our guy, you're probably going to see your other guy too. And that'd be really exciting. And that makes sense because this is the episode of Boba Fett that is so far most critical to the overarching Star Wars television universe, because it's the one that plays the most with what we've already seen. And so I that, see what you mean. that we're next going to probably pair him up with, with Din Djarin again is cool. I'm good with that. We've talked about the potential for that happening. I think it's just a little abstract that they they wink at it with his music when like this show is pulpy and not subtle at all. Typically, it seems like filmically atonal to what the show has been doing thus far, which is be like really overt and obvious. Does that make sense? I would agree if this were not a direct spinoff. Sure. Uh, yeah. This is a direct spinoff. You don't watch the show unless you watch The Mandalorian because you only you either know about this show because of The Mandalorian or you watch The Mandalorian thinking it was a Boba Fett show in the first place. You don't watch the book of Boba Fett because you were a big fan of Boba Fett and you decided not to watch The Mandalorian. Everyone that was could have been hooked by the book of Boba Fett had already been hooked by The Mandalorian. Right. And thus... But it's, I believe that hook, I, I, I actually, I don't think it was that subtle. And I think the major flaw is that it just, this show does not feel appropriate for the week to week model. It is, no. seems like such a bingeable product. And that is something that I think is off. I see what you're saying. But I think also that as good as the scoring is for both shows, frankly, they're both Ludwig hmm. scores and Yes, the Mando uh, theme is like a better piece of music than the Boba theme. There's no question. But neither one of those songs is yet the Imperial March, for example. And so hearing it doesn't necessarily send a message to the masses quite the same as it would otherwise. I think you make a good point about how these two shows are brothers. Like they're they're two alike pieces of content in the way nothing else has been. But I'm not sure everybody really knows the difference. They might hear that piece of music and go, that's familiar. I must hear that in this show from time to time. Maybe it's semantical. And I think that's okay then. If Din shows up as a bit of a surprise next week, I don't think it's just going to be the Razor Crest pops into screen and then he like, well, it won't be the Razor Crest because no. the timeline. Um, that'll be interesting how he's introduced in yep. the first place. That's, that's something I haven't really thought about specifically. But I don't foresee it being something... I, there. Like this entire show has been telling us uh, the story of things that we already know what happened. Right. And so I don't foresee Din just popping up. And so I think this is a subtle nod to maybe to some people and beat over the head to some people. So it, it doesn't really uh, have a bit of an issue with that for me. I really do think people will pick that up because it is so, I, I don't know. It's not the Imperial March. But it is one of the most recognizable pieces of music. It's good. I mean, along with Ray's theme, mm -hmm. I don't think there's been a more recognizable piece of music in Star Wars since uh, Duel of Fates. Part of that is because you've heard it a lot. You you get to hear it like 20 times in watching the first Ab two seasons of Man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not even 20, like 
a hundred times considering how much they play it during the episodes every time he does something cool (laughs) they play the mando theme and for Uh, sure but actually one thing i did want to say is i uh i feel bad for not knowing uh their name it uh i I did know it but it slips in my mind uh it's actually uh some of the music is done by ludwig but he's not the scorer actually okay um so i'm just gonna do a quick score you know obviously it's going to be exciting to see mando in the show and we had talked before about how the the scuttlebutt was that uh, the season would probably serve as a sort of quasi uh, sequel as well as a spinoff that it would sort of be like a Mando season 2.5. And so mm. I guess it is about time we got there. Like one of the criticisms I have for the book of Boba Fett so far is that it could at least be one episode shorter based on what we've seen so far. That was my issue with the end of the first three episodes. Gee, I wish all of this took place in two episodes. And I still kind of feel after having seen four that it could have been three episodes because they're they're fatty. And if just now we're going to get to act two of the season, or maybe it's the, just like the final act of the season, and we're, and we're leaving the back to tank behind and we're swapping it in for this character we already know and love, that's good. But enough time has, has gone by that I'm starting to feel a little a little stiff or sour about certain aspects of the show. And I want to maintain a good attitude. I know you Hmm. listened to me talking about the book of Boba Fett on my other podcast and my attitude about it was different than how I've been on this particular show. I like to be really positive about Star Wars and Recorder 66, but I also want to be honest. And, And thus far, my main criticism is that it's really fatty. And I like Tamara Morrison. I do not know if he is a leading man. Granted, I think he's doing his best and they kind of have their hands tied because they cast him like 20 years ago for a smaller role to play a clone. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I just think everybody could be a little better. I think like Fennec is really cool. You're right. She had like some highlights in this particular episode. I've been waiting too long to see those. She doesn't really have a whole lot of personality besides just being indebted to Boba Fett, although we learned in this episode... It's not so simple as that, actually. They're kind of just like pals now, which yeah. I like developmentally. Uh, I do have that right, right? Like we kind of thought that she was still in debt to him and that's why she was working with him in Jabba's Palace, but actually this kind of changed our, our POV. Yeah, yeah, they're not really, that's not the case. She's just hanging around because she is, and everybody keeps referring to it and it's correct. She's his consigliere. Yeah. Uh, and so she does all of the She's Robert Duvall and- for sure. Yeah, uh, and there's one moment I don't know if you caught it. Did you catch the pure Godfather moment during the the t- dinner table scene? Uh, yeah. It was one of the better lines. Um, I think it was. I asked for no tribute or quarter, and I expect to give none either. He okay. said it, and he stroked his face. Oh, nice. He he did just just a little one, but With he the, just like said, his fingernails. Expect, but also, just think of the way that he talks too. It's it's that gruff and. Like I ask for, so it's, it's still like he he's doing kind of his own little, it's, it's so great. That's great. That's a good acting choice. Did you notice also that in that scene, this might be nothing, but it stands out to me that Fennec referred to him as Boba Fett. What do you mean? I just mean, she really put the emphasis on that first syllable in the way that we've often mocked, like the way they, they, you know, like when they say Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Fett. for some reason it gets said that way sometimes. And it always stands out to me as kind of funny the amount of times his name is said and i have to say when he yells at the lep droid um like i am boba fett it's just like yeah hey dude starting to say that a lot 
yeah, like you, you don't need to say it to a little droid as like, uh, this is my big threat, uh, me, Boba Fett. <laughs> no, and, and some of that stuff strikes me as corny. Of course, we talked last week about um, Timo Supremo or whatever they're called, the little the little uh, Power Ranger guys. Um, and like- I kind of want to call them that though from now on though. <laughs> broadly reviled. Everybody, including yours truly, really, really hates those little moped kids. And I hope- I hate we- the mopeds, not the kids. I don't hate all the kids, um, but uh, generally speaking, I think they looked bad. And then they're not in this episode because this one is at least two thirds flashback. Um, and part of that flashback, we do see some more kids before he goes, he takes Fennec into the little underground emergency room. And not for nothing, but like Robert Rodriguez- did direct spy kids and like some of these teenagers look like spy kids like the, Ooh, the way no colin you did that glass shatter moment where uh you think you didn't see something you, you didn't have a problem with something and now you will always forever have a small problem with it yeah they were very spy kidsy yeah uh, you're totally right like their little goggles and stuff and uh if the if the mopeds weren't in this episode the dude who does little pirate surgeries was and i hated him and i hated that scene i hated the techno rock and roll scoring the dialogue was shitty i just like everything about inspector gadgetifying fennec shan was so stupid to me in this episode okay that's um i was okay with most of it to be honest i thought it was a little long uh, I thought it was a little corny. Uh, the number of hand tools that were on the single arm thing, yeah. but at the same time, I would view it. I would. I think I'd be less critical if it was a droid. And the point is that they're part droid a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I was. I would agree that it was too long, and I will agree a hundred percent that it was too spy kidsy now. Uh, so but, corny the scoring i i don't like that we're using like yeah. electric guitars in the music now yeah i agree right it overall had a bit of a weird vibe for sure and also this is this is not their fault but uh like being able to see her circuitry her, like her cyborg guts gives me the willies oh yeah i love that i think it looks really cool <laughs> it does it looks uh, that part looks cool for sure yeah but that's from mando so they had to at least keep that consistent as well too so definitely some effective fan service. I like anytime we uh, actually like in- explore the corridors of Jabba's palace. I thought the sending in the little mapping droid was really cool. Awesome. I thought that that worked really effectively. I in general, the retrieval of Slave One was very video gamey, which is a, a comment we've made about certain episodic star wars before like that you have to sneak in without getting caught and then you have to you know face off against some uh little monsters or whatever and you have to do the final escape by getting your ship the heck out of there i thought that was pretty cool you're right it was clumsy but like usually big getaways are in star wars and so that felt uh on brand to me in a very in a very satisfying way yeah, I really agree with that. I, I especially love the grievous homage with the, yes. the oh, chef yeah. droid. That <laughs> He's got was, butcher cleavers. Like, I love that. That was one of the best parts of the episode. Yes. And then Fennec just cuts his head off. Uh, I did like the little lep droid having those uh, come to live action. They've been in animation a bunch. 
Um, and they're like kind of based on rabbits too. And I liked when he like turned himself off. I thought that was really clever. Yeah. Um, but in, in general, yeah, it was great to see the full kind of schematics of Jabba's palace, uh, the way that, uh, the probe droid came out of the butt of her rifle. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and overall Fennec, like shooting the, the, the door uh, weight. Totally. That, we, that, that was just so smart awesome. and so, so video gamey. You were totally right on that. Uh, Cause that's just like, Oh, we're, we're trapped in this area. Ask for a hint, ask Fennec for a hint. Yeah. Or in this case you have, you're, you've switched <laughs> over to Fennec. So it's ask Boba who's in the pilot. Cause you, you've, you've now shifted it into position. And so, but yeah, it's uh it was a, a good sequence. Also maybe a little long. Yep. Uh, and then that would come down to where I would agree with you. All of this thus far should have maybe be should maybe be one episode shorter. Uh, and I also still, man, the, the the pacing of it really feels much more binge worthy than Mando. Whereas Mando, it really it always kept you on the edge of your seat. Whereas this really has us on the edge of our seat this week, but kind of for the first time. And I'm expecting it to keep people on the edge of their seat, maybe a little bit more in the next few episodes. But um, I understand that not everybody has an, like an internal star Wars clock that wakes them up when new star Wars property is available. <laughs> and so people like it, it got me up at four o'clock sharp. It was like, and that's right when it comes out. And so it, that, that, this morning was, was right on schedule the previous week. It was later than usual. It was like, interesting. Like after five, I was like, what? But I was okay for sleeping in a little extra. Uh, but in general, I know people need kind of if if you're going for a show that is really tight, not too many episodes, and you're trying to get a new audience in, you're trying to broaden things out. I I really think you need to have that consistent hook and draw retracing these steps is is great, but maybe. And, and, and I, I don't know, but maybe it could be, it could have been an episode shorter. I, I think there's there's a little bit of fat because like, yeah. we know Boba and we're learning a lot about him, but we've not learned enough for four episodes that we didn't already know after episode two. And it's fine that they filled in those blanks now and we know everything that yep. happened, everything that happened to, to Boba between the first encounter with the Sarlacc and meeting our Mandalorian uh, when we did last year. We know everything that happened with that guy in the meantime over four episodes. They filled yeah. in those gaps and now he doesn't need to go into the the back to therapy anymore. So are we to believe that there's not going to be any more flashbacks? Because if so, that's disappointing. I wanted flashbacks from elsewhere in his history. That's my hope. My hope is that the flashbacks will now come in a different form. Like about Django, no like long- they're, they're clearly hinting at his childhood in many of the briefer flashbacks. Yeah, and I would like to think that they would maybe do something along those lines. Uh, there's a shot of uh, the the recast kid that they're deep faking uh, or doing whatnot. And so maybe they deep fake a longer scene yeah. and actually have a young Boba in it. I'd be totally happy with that. I think that would be great. Um, but it's also really easy to do him at any other point in his lifetime in the suit. Mm-hmm. So like maybe they're saving that stuff for season two. Maybe that is one of the big things. Maybe that is one of the key points is that season two focuses on a different part of Boba Fett's 
life when it'll flash back to uh, the time between episodes five and six. But that was when it was, it was really like heavily believed that there, and straight up said by Tamora Morrison that we would be finding out what was like that this would lead back to episodes five and six. Yeah. And so, well, I think also there's a good chance we could see Cobb Vanth next week because he does, he does know that Cobb Vanth has the armor when he meets up with with Mando yeah. uh, and Baby Yoda in that episode. And so there might be some kind of encounter where he already tries to get it back and fails for some reason. Yeah, I don't know if we would see that. Uh, it seems that, or maybe he found it through the, the Tuscans. That would actually make a lot of sense. Yeah. That the Tuscans know of um, somebody who is using... Like who who wore that armor? But no, that that wouldn't make sense because at this point he thought his armor was still in the Sarlacc pit. Yes, and so oh no, he I, I guess because um, we see at the end of the Cobb Vanth episode he has just found them. I guess so. My guess is he only realizes that Cobb Vanth has the armor as Cobb gives it to right. Mando. I guess that's true. So I guess yeah. that would that would explain that he he hadn't known for a long period of time because he thinks it's in the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, and that's a that's a a natural uh, segue. So when he leaves with the slave one, we get a moment that's actually really gratifying because one one thing we've complaining been complaining about a little bit is that he hasn't quite been ruthless enough um, mm. this season. He's pretty ruthless when he meets up with those ba- bikers. He just like takes them out. Uh, yeah, payback giddily with payback, and then he goes to the Sarlacc, which is is pretty cool. Like I mean, it's it's so. Um, completely insane in a in a characteristic way that he would like uh, spelunk back down into the Sarlacc. Yeah, <laughs> and, you'd think he'd have a little more PTSD about that. Yeah, probably so. Um, and I love I love that they kill the Sarlacc with a seismic charger. My only nitpick is that like the slave one is right up against the explosion and seems to take no damage, which strikes me as kind of odd, but I do love that. That's how they kill the Sarlacc. That's, that's good poetry. Absolutely. Uh, the big thing for me with that is I think it, because it falls deep, like probably into it's like deep into its belly. And so that's what gives it a bit of a buffer and whatnot. Yeah. My issue is that I've been loving Fennec kicking ass this entire episode, but that is one you Give to Boba. Yes. Don't take that from Boba. Like, that's bad writing. Yeah, fair enough. I don't think I realized that she pulled the trigger there. Yeah, and he he does say the funny line, um, don't touch my buttons. Yeah. Um, but in that same vein, that should have been Boba's reaction. Boba should have gotten the revenge. Yeah, you'd think so. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it, I guess maybe it makes a little bit more sense that the guy who just accidentally had this sloppy death previously doesn't get the full redemption. Right. He already had his his glove his glove through the the sand moment. Well, uh, and also so, it, it didn't kill him. It almost killed him, and so in return he almost killed it. Yeah, uh, but it was like he was he was ballsy to get that close. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's I mean it's good because like. The Sarlacc should come back in a way. I mean, obviously it did earlier in the season too, but like, I think this is a good way to wrap that up. Are there more Sarlaccs out there? Like that, that is a beast, yep. right? That could like be, are they only native to Tatooine? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I would imagine 
desert planets uh, at, at the very least. Uh, but it's just it's like the pit of Karakun is the Sar is that Sarlacc's home. Is that example. the biggest one, or could we at some point see one that's like ten times bigger and way more uh, satanic? Um, I see no reason why we couldn't see a bigger one one time. That could be cool. There's like, I, I, I don't think it's in canon that that one is, per, is of a particular size compared to other ones. Uh, and so, yeah, it would be incredibly cool to see. Oh, yeah. Like a big I'm just mother Sarlacc? Like, that would be crazy. That would be very, very cool. Um, as in terms of we have seen the, the crate Dragon. Um, we've seen the sort of like centaur beast that Boba killed in the pilot. Oh yeah. Um, that would be a new level of, uh, of Tatooine monster that I would love to see. Uh, okay. Speaking of bigger monsters, we flash back to the present day and we get what we suspected, which is an immediate return of Chrysanthemum. Like the, the, the releasing him of their custody at Jabba's palace when they first got him as a gift from the huts. It seems like such a wasted moment. Cause like immediately they're, they're backtracking on that and they're going to invite him into the Fett family, which only makes yeah. sense. Um, I'm psyched about there being a new Wookiee character to develop. Cause suddenly I realized like, how is it we've only ever had like one Wookiee who becomes a multidimensional character? It's, it's as good. Yeah, no, this is really, especially in terms of they've done it in like books and, and whatnot and like comics. And this is where like Kersantan came from. He, yeah. He's a comic book character. And so it's really great to see the fact that it just makes too much sense to bring him in. You've got the the muscle role to fill, the recruiting. It, it, like I had to come up with the excuse of Trandoshan's don't play well with Wookiees last time is the only logic behind it. And we see truly in this episode, the Trandoshans and Wookiees do not get along. Nope. Uh, but uh, in that same vein, apparently uh, he is scary enough that nobody, no Trandoshan is willing to, to fuck with him at, at this point. So that, that does keep him in, in good enough graces that Boba can have him around with it being a problem uh, and yeah. rely on him for his gladiator skills to be able to, roar and along with his rancor um scare a few folks and bob is in charge also if he says you two are yeah. going to get along because you're on the same side then they'll have to do that yeah exactly and that's and that's what the the chrysanthemum well chrysanthemum does show that he's not necessarily willing to do that but at the same time he is a, a professional mm -hmm. and uh he, he's no longer working for an idiot as far as we're concerned yeah um, he calls them idiots a few times um, in this episode, Boba, uh, just in terms of all the people they've had to work for before. Uh, and so it, it was good that uh, I, I enjoyed uh, Garza's attempt to calm down Chrysanthemum as well. Yeah. Uh, like some of her lines, like your knuckle dusters are more feared than blasters. Uh, <laughs> that's such, a, that's such a, a good line. Knuckle dusters is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And they're like yeah. these like electro knuckle dusters too. Right. Um, and now you've run up quite a bar tab, Santo, and just the 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 condescending tone. I thought that was just a, a, a overall a really good scene, albeit I agree, unnecessary if you had just recruited him out of the gate. By the way, you had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that you didn't know who Jennifer Beals was to culture. She's uh, the one in Flashdance who like pulls the bucket of water down on her during Oh, What a Feeling. Oh, okay. That's her big, that's her, that's her legacy. Well, that, that is a, a, a huge pop culture legacy because I've never seen the movie, 
but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. She's cool in this. I don't know if like she's going to get to have an adventure of her own or if she's going to like do something really nefarious at some point. Because so far she's just been like a calm, eerie, not totally trustworthy presence. And she's been in three out of four episodes, but only briefly. It seems like they might want to do something with her so that we see that she actually has a real influence beyond just running this bar. I think there will be a little bit more, uh, but I think this is a character you're establishing for later seasons yeah. and for even the crossover events and putting in, in Mandalorian. Tatooine will always exist in Star Wars. And so this timeline is becoming extremely important. This five years post Return of the Jedi, and we're establishing a character in Boba Fett's Mos Espa. Uh, I, think, I think this is a foundational character. Uh, and maybe won't play as big a role this season as she maybe could in, in future seasons. I think this is somebody who's signed on f for the long haul uh, in terms of I, I just I just get a vibe. She's she's a good character and feels like she's been around Star Wars forever the same way. Yeah. A character like uh, Queel did, who was just like fit in right out of the gate with Mandalorian, uh, this kind of side character that's always around i mean quill dies in season one so let's hope that doesn't happen here um but somebody that's just like oh yeah that 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 fits perfectly and is extremely um 70s 80s star wars um in, in terms of casting and, and, and everything above so we got a total break from the mayor storyline so the the mayor's uh major domo didn't make an appearance and he wasn't missed um i guess that he's trying to like flesh out his his vet family means that that I mean obviously the mayor is going to play a role in the second act of this season no question um are you satisfied with that that meeting scene you kind of briefly touched on it with your godfather reference we've been talking about how that scene in particular is kind of exciting if only because it was one of the more striking images from that original trailer for the book of Boba Fett um are we set up now for him to really be in charge and have community respect do you think that he's made some progress in Mos Espa? Some, but not a ton. Yeah. He wasn't super commanding. Uh, I think he will eventually command respect uh, atop oh, yeah. his rancor, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but there's something, there, there was definitely something missing from that meeting. He got his second choice. He got, like, he got them to agree to his plan B, not mm. to his plan A. Which is okay. He's gonna have and to so show them his badassery. I think he's really, or like, he's gonna have yeah. to save their asses, or it's like something's gonna have to happen where like they actually see this guy's the real deal. The Pikes need to make a move. Yeah, and in that same, at that same time, Boba is striking, and in the end, the Trandoshans and the Aqualish and the Clatoonians—they're all indebted to Boba and anoint him their daimyo as well and so there, there i'm sure there is there's going to be some moment where he he earns their reason to collaborate with him and no longer um just rely on the fact that they get paid from some of the spice trade that the that the pikes are doing can it I, does have a couple of those good lines of though why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich yeah, that was great. one of my favorite lines from the trailer For so sure. i was happy to hear, see that in context um yeah, any more lines, any other uh, bits of dialogue that you thought stood out? It was a chattier episode than than the others have been thus far, if only because it was the longest episode so far. 
yeah and that was why i was uh just in terms of because we try and do these the the day of i didn't get as many times to watch it so i didn't get uh, i didn't write down a ton of dialogue but uh, i did like the with time you start to crave it mm. when he was talking about uh, the black melons i thought that was uh really kind of just uh an interesting line to when he was talking to Fennec about their, their water supply and uh, just about, I, I don't know the way, the way he said it, it, it really made it feel like, Oh, he, he he's lived, he's lived as a Tuscan. Is that how we're referring to those weird little shells? They uproot from the dirt, black melons. Yeah, that was actually, I gave away one of my trivia questions uh, accidentally because okay. um, that was what I was going to say is what they referred to. But yeah, we now refer to them as black melons, or at least that's what they've been called in the show. So what else do you have for trivia? I, I, that I won't know. Um, you might. Um, how many people were sitting at the dinner table? Nine. Eight. Okay. Actually, the answer really is two. There's only two people. People, people. Yeah. True. Uh, uh, um, and because uh, I already gave one of them away. Uh, I got one for you. What's the name of Boba's Bantha? Oh, he has a name? Yeah. He calls him Buddy? Ho no, he calls him Hoko. Hoko, or ho, or it could be Hogo. I wasn't sure. Oh, I totally missed. It that. was when it was in that opening scene where we see him, and he comes back to the Bantha, and he's like, "Let's go, Hoko." Oh, I totally missed that. That's awesome. Yeah. By the way, not super impressed with uh, the Bantha's tongue. He's very um, Woody the Talking Christmas Tree, <laughs> like the effects of up close Bantha mouth. Not convincing. Ah, eh, I don't know. It worked for me. <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> no, those it was, are my. It's 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 Star Warsy. Those are my only uh, thoughts and observations about this episode. Again, like uh, most of the episodes, there's some things I thought really worked and some things I thought uh, really didn't. But you know, it, it it's it's no The Mandalorian for me. That's for sure. But I didn't mm. need for it to be emotionally, and so it's just kind of an interesting case study in what we do with round two. Um, obviously there's, there's some other Star Wars shows coming out in this calendar year that I have more emotional stock in. And so absolutely, I guess we'll see as it goes. And I, I still have, uh, you know, faith in the way this season, uh, will play out. We've got three left, right? Yeah. Three left. I think it's really going to pick up pace from here. It, should. it seems like Din will probably be in the next episode. Uh, Dave Filoni, uh, wrote episode six. So there's going to be something interesting about that one. That'd I'm be good. sure. Yeah um but yeah overall it was uh it was it was a good episode and i'm i'm i am i'm satisfied with the with the series thus far but i would agree with you yeah it's it, it's no mandalorian and still none of these episodes are would would crack the top 10 uh in in my favorite uh live action television shows but I'm also still really enjoying it. Uh, and this one was this one was a fun episode. This one was more fun than a lot of them have been. A lot of them have been pretty dark and depressing uh, thus far. Whereas this one was a bit more of a of an adventurous romp. Whereas they're taking out the clearly bad guys and the the beasts and they're doing spy mission. It's it's just it's. It's fun Star Wars, yeah, uh, and it's not trying to be anything else, and so it's easy to to kind of fall back. Whereas even in some of those episodes of Mandalorian, um, where it was just kind of 
where it's fun Star Wars, you have a different sort of expectation as well. And so I was able to to certainly enjoy watching this episode. Well, and even with The Mandalorian, as soon as they introduce Grogu, suddenly it has this in- incredible amount of consequence on the galaxy mm. far, far away. And suddenly it becomes a really big story that relates to all of this lore and canon that you've collected over the last four and a half decades. But the Book of Boba Fett actually doesn't have a lot of baggage. Even though he's a character who was was created almost that many years ago too, he, and I keep using the phrase small potatoes to describe this show as if it's a pejorative, is actually kind of nice that it's free from any of the um, uh, the consequence or, 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 or owing itself to the rest of the galaxy. You just kind of get to create the story about one guy and his personal journey, largely in one place, and hopefully he achieves some kind of transcendence or or redemption, and you root for him because you always thought he was a badass. But like, there we're not we're not telling a force story, we're not telling a hero's journey or a, like a prophecy story or a save the galaxy story. Uh, we're not even telling a, a an ultimate good versus bad story. We're just telling about a guy, and it's kind of nice to experience that in in Star Wars. I would totally agree. <laughs> However, as you were talking, all it got me thinking about was the fact that these are, these are creating a connected universe. Uh, and it got me thinking about as much as everything you're saying is true, it's not what we were told. Yeah. And Mando season 2.5, like we just talked about, it makes me think that in the next three episodes, we're going to get good versus evil and we're going to get something galaxy-wide impact and we're going to get something that plays into significantly larger stakes. I think we're going to get the reverse order of Mando season one where we get our Grogu moment at the last second as opposed to at the last second of episode one. I'm okay with that too. Long. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I want big absolutely. moments. I'm just trying to yeah. justify why this is totally different. No, absolutely. But it just, it makes me, and it, it totally has been. And I think that that could be a real win for the show at being tonal, so tonally different. But then you realize at the end of season one, all these things end up do ha- actually end up happening. Yeah. So under those circumstances, it would mean that the Pikes would need to have potentially involvement with like, is Thrawn working with the Pikes? Wow, that'd be cool. That'd be a big deal. Because we know like, that Thrawn is just, connected to the Mando universe now. Yeah, we, we, this is supposed to connect to the Ahsoka show as well. Right. And uh, what would have been Rangers of the New Republic? And so the First Order. And so are the Pikes maybe working with the First Order in terms of um, like trying to take down like, like, like Boba is filling a power vacuum. There's other power vacuums in the galaxy. That's something we've been talking about. Thrawn is potentially going to be filling a power vacuum. First Order could be filling, we know fills a power vacuum. Boba is filling a power vacuum. And so how is that going to impact a broader scale than just Mos Espa? I wonder if we will find that out in the next three episodes. Or maybe that is something that is safe for season two. Uh, Maybe what they just meant by Mando season 2.5 is the fact that Mando is in it. And Boba (laughs) and Fennec are also in it. And they were also in the other show. I love whenever you say, I agree with everything you just said. And then there's an ellipses because some kind of crazy theory has been bubbling. <laughs> That's the thing, because as much as I agree with what you said, and it, it's probably what we're end we'll, we'll end up with is is just this book of Boba Fett specifically, and we likely fairly focused. But it got it just when you, when you when you said all those things, it just got me thinking that well, 
this isn't what we expected though. And so it doesn't mean it's not what we won't get, but we also, had, I had no idea what to expect with Mandalorian. And I think we were also like even pleasantly surprised beyond what we could have expected. And with this show, we maybe had the Mandalorian expectation, even if we weren't, even if we didn't want to give it that expectation level, yeah. it was there because this is a spinoff. It's right. impossible to not have it there. So uh, it, it remains to be seen. And, uh, we can't judge a book by its cover uh, or its first four episodes. Um, any to, any chance there's the going to be final page? Is there going to be like a literal book in this at some point? Like in the end, is he going to like uncover like his father's journal or something? Like I know that's kind of I would hate but that. Like I think it's kind of hokey, but like I could see them doing that in the end. Like the book of Boba Fett wasn't was never and, just like stylistic and he, phraseology. And he takes off his glasses as he's really old Boba Fett and he closes the book and he turns to a young clone of himself and says, Omicron, what are, what are we? What other Greek <laughs> alphabet letter that they go with next for the, because his real name was Alpha. Yeah. Um, and he says, what are we? Some kind of suicide squad? Yeah. Wink and he's like, dad, I just want to be, you know, a man making his way the universe like you <laughs> it's no it, it, in in the end i i think this is uh i I, th I still think that we may get uh a godfather part three uh final scene yep. moment and i i would i would actually kind of kind of like that yeah, see, see, Bo see boba's death in this show uh, but that would also lead me to believe that we would be getting multiple seasons. I mean, that's by the uh, way, like just to torch so. the Godfather metaphor, like you've, you've mentioned the Godfather part three, a couple of times. That's also how, uh, uh, Marlon Brando dies in the first Godfather. He just falls over and dies. There's, there's an, there's a, uh, a lack of yeah, climax he's... to his death. But there's something, um, well, and I, and I guess actually maybe it, maybe it's more likely that it would be more like uh, Marlon Brando's Vito, Vito Corleone's death yeah. is because Vito Vito's is a happy moment. He dies playing with his grandson. Yep. Whereas Michael dies alone in a chair. Yes. Uh, and so I think actually because this is Disneyfied, it's far more likely that it's going to be the Vito one. So that's actually, you're right. It's a better comparison. It's more likely that he's well, going to find the family that it keeps being brought up and, and clearly is the missing piece in his tribe. And so, yeah. also uh, again, to torch the metaphor, uh, Boba's a hero and through the lens of the Godfather, so is Vito. Like he did horrible, mm. he did horrible things, but he rose above and built an empire and a family that served him and he mm. won. So he, in their like twisted ethics, he deserved to die happy. Whereas Michael just like lucked into the role and became a monster from it. Yeah. So he doesn't deserve to die happy, but because it's Disney, of course Boba does. Like, but, but, like yeah, he's, he's the protagonist turning. in a very ethical way. He turned pretty, pretty suddenly. In fact, well, he he was different in Mando. There needed to be some explanation to that, and uh, we've seen that he was with the Tuscans for like five years. Yeah. So that is that is not unconsequential. Well, maybe we need to do a little bit more exploring of his. Mandalorian heritage because it was such a small thing last season. It's not really Mandalorian though. He's from Camino. I know enough though that he gets to keep that armor because it was his father's and yeah. his father was a Mandalorian 
uh, or a foundling. And right. so under those circumstances, um, he is a foundling too, but he also like, I, I swear I, I take no creed or I swear allegiance to no man or whatever right. his lines were for Mandalorian. Um, Why? That he doesn't care so much about being a Mandalorian as much as being a fet. Why is this episode called the gathering storm? Because it's, I likely re- ramping up for the next three episodes, which are going to be uh, a shitstorm. We're going to get, yeah, it's, it's, preparing for war that's that's what it is and uh he gathered uh kersantan uh, we got the information that he's likely going to be adding mando to his team mm-hmm. and so things like that i think are um are, are reasonable uh reasons but it's not a great title compared to some of the other ones any other thoughts about this episode not really no um I, the uh, composer for the show is uh joseph shirley Okay. I'll say that. All right. Um, I, I also, uh, I was great to see Max Rebo back again. Yeah. Um, oh, and my, my last thing to say, cause there is no news really at all. Uh, I'm going to give you my master question. Spell Garfalaquox. What is Garfalaquox? I don't even recognize that. Master Garfalaquax was the lead Aqualish uh, okay. who was being translated by AT8 in the uh, supper scene. Okay, well, G-A-R-F-O-L-L-I-Q-U-A-K-S. It's not a terrible... Yeah, not a bad, not a bad guess. <laughs> there is um, no bad guess. <laughs> no, anything phonetic not. is not a bad guess. No, absolutely. G A R F A L A Q U O X. Oh, that is pretty good. Oh, it's an X. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Gotcha. And no news. No, uh, they're really um, nothing's coming out even in this really the smallest way there's some things that are uh, happening with the high republic uh but i'm so far behind on that that i kind of stay away from some of the news because I, I do still want to get caught up on that well we're gonna um, have uh, as i'm enjoying it but. we're gonna have the end of this season in three weeks and so conceivably we could have an obi-wan teaser in three weeks i think there's a very decent chance yep. that we will be getting that as our um post credits sort of scene at the end of the book of Boba Fett. And we could be getting those maybe all year, little uh, lead-ons to the next show because we could be getting, uh, we're going to be probably getting four plus this year. So that's damn exciting. Yeah, it could be a teaser for Andor too. That would be cool. Yeah, I just, I'm pretty sure Andor's coming out after. Yeah. I think Andor is going to be the fall and Obi-Wan. Seems like it's going to be late uh late spring just seems like it's gonna be late spring or summer so hopefully that uh is actually the case because that would be so bloody exciting okay well nothing in the news and nothing in birthdays either actually in a bit of a birthday dry spell so if you have any thoughts about uh this chapter chapter four of the book of boba fett the gathering storm or if you have any thoughts about star wars in general you can always email us at recorder 66 podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at recorder 66 please remember to uh, rate and review on your preferred podcast app and if you're joining us on youtube be sure to like and subscribe. If you want to be caught up to where we are by next week, make sure you watch Chapter 5, which comes out next Wednesday. And until we are together again, may the Force be with you. Bye.